This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy, pick of the week number 683, brought to you by Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to Harry's.com slash iFanboy and iFanboy listeners just like you.
Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 683. I am Ryan Haupt, filling in at the last second for Josh Flanagan, who had to return to his home planet where he was needed most. And this is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, and thanks for jumping at the last second. Everyone should know that when when we have Ryan on the show, we usually give him, like, weeks notice. Like, can you do the show in, like, three weeks or two weeks or a month? Or That is true. So, so he has time to prepare. He has time to have his books read and... Mentally prepared and dealing with you people right. on the Twitter afterwards. Which is not a lot, not insignificant. But this week he had, what, was it 24 hours? Ish. So. I mean, I was, I was asleep for roughly half that. <laughs> so. Yeah, Josh had an emergency. Ryan stepped in admirably. Thank you for doing so. So we have a show. Happy to be here. Yeah. And uh, appreciate it. Let's, let's get going. Okay, well, we are a fanboy, and every week we read our stack of comics, sometimes closer to skimming than reading, <laughs> and one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that book the pick of the week. We talk about that book and other books from the week, and a patron pick. Only one patron pick, because the last time I was on, y'all screwed me. Yeah. And maybe if we have some time, we'll read some listener mail. Uh, it's going to be fun, but it's going to be spoilerific. Uh, it's a review show, so we have to talk about what happened in the book, so if you haven't read your books yet... Uh, you can pause the show, read your book, come back, or just enjoy the show. Have some fun with it. It's going to be great. This week, Connor, you had the pick. I did, and it was, I'm sure, surprising to many. Ironheart number six. Eve Surprise L. Me. Ewing on story. Kevin LeBrand on art. Matt Miller colors. Clayton Cowles, the unsung hero of comics, on letters. I think he, I think he lettered like half the books we talked about this week. It was a good week of comics. I had, I had a good time reading books. There was a lot of good stuff to read. But strangely, in the end, I really fell for this one-issue story, team-up between Ironheart, Riri Williams, and Miles Morales' Spider-Man. And they've been doing a lot of these single-issue team-up stories amongst the younger heroes. Uh, over in Shuri, they did a whole sort of arc where she teamed up with different characters each issue, and this might be happening here as well. It looks like the next issue is also team-up. But this was very much your classic one issue story team up it's a complete tale it gives you all the information you need miles morales and riri don't really like each other not that they don't they don't like they don't dislike each other but they don't really like each other when they are on champions together i don't read the champions book anymore but it, this gives you all the information you need right up front about their their relationship he's gone missing he's been gone for missing for two weeks and no one knows where he is so miss marvel asks riri to look for him she uses her smarts and her Tech ability to, to track him down to a cabin in upstate New York, where he's in rustic plaid wear, which was funny. <laughs> yeah. And he's making pancakes and doesn't understand the big deal because he's only been gone for 24 hours. In fact, he's in a some sort of vortex time loop where he thinks he's only been gone 24 hours, but he's actually been gone two weeks. And and then call that groundhogging. He's groundhogging. And uh, they have to escape and figure out and fight the bad guy who's got him in the loop and. And then go on their way. I, I just thought it was a really well done and incredibly fun one shot. I really liked the conceit that he doesn't realize he's been gone for so long. And then when she goes through the, the doorway and she's stuck in the loop, she realizes that everything's off now. Her phone even says it's the wrong day. And I found the, the signs of it fun, the science in quotes. And I found the, um, the story fun. I thought they, the characters were fun together. They learned to sort of, you know, while not become best friends, they learned to figure each other out throughout the course of the story and maybe they'll get along better on the team and it was a good character story was, the art was real strong from kevin lebranda i really liked it so you did you read it too yeah i went ahead and i mean it's the pick of the week so it's mm -hmm. like i'm gonna read that book even if i don't get caught up on all the other books and behind on i'm gonna read the pick of the week so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of my philosophy of the show but you haven't been reading this series though i read the first issue and 
I felt like you guys kind of panned it. I also was not super into it. I figured with issue six, it was either the end of the current arc or the start of a new arc or in the middle, which was perfect. So, yeah, this was an easy issue to, to get into. The first issue wasn't great. I stuck with the arc. I wanted to, I wanted to see it play out. It was okay, and this was this was actually going to be my make-or-break issue because the first arc was just only okay. I thought, well, let's just see what a different story's like, and that's part of the problem. It's not a huge problem, but part of the problem with modern comics with everything, everything with five or six issue arcs is, you know, you really are, if you don't like a storyline, you're kind of stuck with it for a long time. But so here, I wanted to see what a different a different story with Riri was like in this particular paradigm, and I like this one. I did as well. I still don't love Ironheart's outfit. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it just doesn't quite work with for me. And then, um, but yeah, I love I love a time travel story. I love I love getting the idea of getting stuck in a time loop. I think that's always fun. I don't know who this villain is that they ended up fighting. No, I don't. At either. the end, it was weird. It almost felt like the, to me this almost read more like a book that should have Miles on the in the title because it kind of paints Riri as sort of a she's the less sympathetic hero. I feel like. I didn't read when she was in Iron Man, so I'm I'm not totally familiar with her. But they do sort of paint her here as sort of having some sort of social disorder. You know, she's yeah. not entire. She's sort of almost like she's got Asperger's or something, where she's not entirely comfortable with people, and that's somewhat interesting to me. But you're right. I mean, Miles. When you put these two together, Miles is obviously the more sympathetic character of the two. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And it's, it's interesting to see Miles out in the woods uh, just because I associate Miles so distinctly with urban environments. One thing I wish I had a better handle on, and I'm not sure that it's set in stone within the world of the comics, I want to know how smart Miles is. Because obviously he's was the replacement for Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe, and Peter Parker's very smart. But like, it's never clear to me just how smart Miles is. Like, Is mm-hmm. he Peter Parker-level smart? Is he... Less than, more than. Right. I, I just need a, I just need a greater than, less than, equal to. That's all for Pete. Well, maybe he hasn't. You know, he's only he's in high school, so we haven't reached that potential yet. But he's he's clearly smart enough to help figure out the physics of this time loop. Yeah. Do you think he should have been fatter for having eaten nothing but pancakes for two weeks? Nothing <laughs> but pancakes for two. He's got that spider metabolism, man. I guess. <laughs> I don't know how the top of the time loop works with your with with your dietary restrictions. I don't know how upstate New York works <laughs> is what I'm realizing. Every time there's something like a movie or a TV show set in upstate New York, it's like, is this the Rocky Mountains of Canada? Like, what what is this place? It contains multitudes. It, I mean, there are you know crazy mountains up in upstate New York. Yeah, they got a chair named after them and everything, right? Yeah, it doesn't say where in upstate New York it is, so it could literally be anywhere from Westchester to. You know, up in the Adirondacks and up near Canada, and there's there's all kinds of places. Um, how Miles would get there is another question entirely. He took the bus. I think he said. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's I mean, it, it is what it is. He's in the woods, and uh, I think we'd all like to go to a cabin in the woods for a little while. I think I, I think, sure would. I think that would all benefit us greatly. But this is just a great if you if you haven't read Ironheart, I think this is a really fun issue to check out. I'm really liking these one-issue stories that they've been doing more and more in comics, especially with these younger characters. The Shuri, the Shuri one-shots are really fun. And next next month, she's, or next issue, which is not next month, but whenever it comes out, she's teaming up with the new Wasp, who I don't know anything about either. So that'll, that'll be interesting. And I'll, you know, as long as these are fun, I'll keep reading them. And it's almost like if you want to have fun, you just drop Miles Morales in, cause, and, that's, and, and you have a good time. It is fun to get them out of their comfort zone. 
you can't yes. have miles swinging around the trees as easily as you could a building and and it's a problem they have to solve with their minds and then their fists which is fun and then they put the guy in a time you know like a time loop with for his, of his own and that was fun i mean they they basically win with their brains which is which for these characters is good they they do a thing like you would do in the portal game if you wanted to get going real fast. <laughs> and then also they destroy this dude's cabin, who was Miles's buddy's family's cabin. And never let your buddy go to your cabin. That's what no, I'm... don't say that. What if one of the listeners has a cabin, Connor? That's true. Let us go to your cabin. We won't blow the roof off. No, no. In, in a metaphorical sense, we will, because we're going to have such a good time. Have so much fun. Yeah. But yeah, this was great. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was charming. I liked the structure of it. I liked the story quite a bit. I mean, it, it was a week of really great books, but I knew it was the pick because every time I f- would finish a book, I would go back and think about a scene from this one. And that generally, to me, indicates the pick of the week. There's a really cool panel where Miles is firing a web through one portal, anticipating where it's going to come out the other portal yeah. to get what he wants. And that's like, I love stuff like that. That's a video game player for you. And it's a thing that a, a spider person should be good at doing. Yeah. Like figuring out the angles and... Through one portal, like, grabs the guy and pulls him to another portal. Yep. It was really fun. I, mean, I was really yeah. impressed by this issue. And it, this issue was way better than the first arc. This was really good. So check out Ironheart number six, pick of the week. Another book that was very close. In fact, this was the only one where I was really... I thought about it for a few minutes was Daredevil number five, Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicchetto. Have you been reading Daredevil? Yes, and I'm really enjoying Chip's take. This issue was very good, in which Matt's Netflix buddies plus Spider-Man basically convince him he has to retire. It's time to it's time to hang it up. No more Daredevil. Yeah, and, and the issue begins with him having escaped from the Punisher's lair, and he wasn't wearing a shirt, so he just grabs a shirt and puts it on, and he claims he doesn't realize that he's wearing the Punisher shirt because he's blind, and I thought that was a good joke. That was a great joke. Because uh, the visual is cool, but then when, when the defenders show up and they're like, Matt, you're running around dressed like the Punisher, he's like, am I? Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, I mean, how would you know? Yeah. It's like print, you know? It, that was mm-hmm. a very funny joke. Yeah. But, you know, this is all about the psychological fallout of Matt realizing he did, in fact, kill that guy in the first issue. And his not knowing what to do about it and actually it's not luke cage and it's not danny Rand, and it's not jessica jones who say you gotta hang it up it's spider-man who shows up and says you're done buddy this is it you're you're retired you, you know you're not a bad guy you're not a criminal we've you know, we've all made mistakes but you gotta you gotta live with it but, but give me the mask you're out yeah i mean obviously that's not how it's going to end this is not the final issue of daredevil the story will be how he gets back to being daredevil but i, th- I thought this was really terrific and, and marco Cicchetto is you know, it's kind of boring to hear us say he's terrific. His style is evolving. It is evolving. I'm a great Spider-Man. It, it's got sort of a... It reminds me of Leno Francis Yu a little bit. Um, mm. It's getting a little sketchier. It's sort of having a similar evolution to like what... what? Oh, shoot. I'm blanking on the name. Civil War. Steve McNiven. Yeah, where Steve McNiven started off as like a little bit more photorealistic, but mm-hmm. then went a little sketchier. This is kind of doing that same transition i feel it's like it's loosening up it's good and it's very dynamic and there, there's a scene here where punisher daredevil was I mean, daredevil but he's fighting a bunch of dudes and he ends up they're, they're all dragged behind a van attached to a chain and there's just incredibly dynamic incredibly exciting panel layouts and internal panel layouts and using the sound effects for great effect and it's it's one of the best looking books when daredevil comes out i'm genuinely thrilled because yeah chip Zdarsky is this year's 
you know, breakout writer for us on the on the show. Even though he's been around for a while, we've really found his books this year. And yeah, you pair him with Marco Cicchetto, who's one of the best artists in the business. And this is this is an incredibly good book. I like that Chip has such a strong hold on Spider-Man as a character too, because the interaction between them is great. Like just the way Daredevil or just the way Matt, I guess at that point senses Spider-Man in the room. Yes. Is cool. Cause you know, Spider-Man and Daredevil, their power set is they kind of have similar ish powers, but from different directions. And so they're the way they interact with each other is always really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, an, it was a nice reveal where Matt senses someone, he describes their physicality and you're like, who the hell is that? Because he's like, this guy is the strongest one and doesn't even know it. There's a cool, shadowy Spider-Man reveal. Yeah. It's just a great... This is a great family to deal with. This sort of... I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of annoying on the one hand that it's, it's all the Netflix characters are always hanging out together, but which aren't even Netflix characters anymore. They're a good group. Daredevil and Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Jessica Jones and now Spider-Man to the Misc is a fun mix of characters. I don't know where they're going with this, which is fun. Which is really fun. You want some action in your books, you want some psychological warfare in your books, and you want some pathos, and this is what you're getting in Daredevil right now. Yeah, it's good. And now, maybe it'll be a book just about Matt being civilian, taking up uh, knitting. I mean, true crime is huge right now, and he's still a lawyer. <laughs> that's, that's true. So maybe he just really revitalizes the law practice. Spider-Man Life, story number three, also Chip Zdarsky, Mark Bagley. If you recall, Ryan, back way back when Brand New Day started, people were angry that marvel was reverting peter parker back to his a version a younger version of himself an unmarried younger right. version and people wanted peter to live on and to have a marriage and children and grow along with them and so this is the book for you because here we get a lot of marital strife and arguing <laughs> yeah and i think i think marvel was right <laughs> <laughs> so this is this this is the book that is Telling the story of Peter Parker in real time, quote-unquote real time. Every issue jumps about about 10 years. Not exactly 10 years, but this issue, it takes place in, uh, what does it say? 84. 84, or Peter Parker is 37 years old at this point. He has Secret to, Wars. He has to use an armored, not an armored, but an enhanced suit because he's an old 37. His suit in the last issue had a little bit of armor on it, too. Yeah. He, was, he had, like, knee pads and stuff. Yeah. Adding it, too. And so here he's gone. Mary Jane's pregnant. Aunt May's got Alzheimer's, and Peter disappeared for two weeks because he's off in the Secret Wars. And while he's gone, Mary Jane has her baby, and that, so that causes lots of problems. Babies, plural. Babies, that's right. We spent just a couple pages in Secret Wars. It's just a fun little nod to one of the best Marvel stories ever. And then Peter comes back in this black suit, obviously, because that's where he gets the, black, the symbiote. And that causes problems, but mostly the fact that he missed the birth of his twins, Claire and Benjamin... And their marriage hasn't been great. Mary Jane feels like he's constantly thinking or comparing her to Gwen Stacy. Like, this is all the stuff I did not want in my Spider-Man book. I mean, this, this, it's, it's totally fine in this particular miniseries, but this is exactly why he needed to be de-aged and unmarried. Because no one wants this. This is not good. You didn't like the issue? Or? No, I like the issue. I'm just saying no one wants Peter and Mary Jane, you know, constantly arguing about who's not around enough. And, you know, that's not what you want from a Spider-Man story. Well, this was creepy, like with the Venom stuff, because this is a, kind of a different version of Venom, and Craven is a major factor in this book, as he was also this week in Amazing Spider-Man, as he has been for the last couple of months. I like the Spider-Man versus Venom stuff. I've been liking this particular miniseries. It's fun. I like the Bagley art because he's very much a classic Spider-Man artist, even before 
Ultimate Spider-Man. He mm-hmm. did a stint on Amazing Spider-Man. The only thing I wish was that it was an artist who could take a greater care in distinguishing the eras. Yeah, I wish the fashion was a little more tailored uh-huh, to the um, time period that we're supposed to be yeah, in. Yeah, the, the fashion and the hairstyles. and Hairstyles are an issue for sure. The hairstyles probably take me out of it more than, than the fashion. Yeah, if you just honest. didn't tell me this was taking place in different eras, I wouldn't really know it necessarily. Yeah, there's nothing about this that's the 80s other than these are the events that we know happened to Spider-Man in the 80s. Right, and if you are going to make a big deal about, not a big deal, but if, if part of your story is that each issue is a different decade, then, you know, I feel like greater care, should, like last issues should have been really identifiable as the 70s, and it really kind of wasn't. And this issue is really not identifiable as the 80s. And I mean, 1984 was a very distinct era in terms of fashion and, and style, and it should have you know, there's, you know, I'm looking at a scene where Peter Parker's just in a jacket and shirt, and like, he doesn't look any different than he would now. But that's the only bummer about this series. Other than that, though, I think it's it's really really fun and interesting, and I'm really curious to see where it goes from here because you've got you got 37 year old Peter, he's still able to do the job, not without some problems and aches and pains and things. So what's going to happen when we jump ahead into his 40s? I'm in an indication, lots of physical therapy and pain constantly. And the cover to the next issue, he he looks a little heftier. Yeah, or just the art. It's hard to tell. You know, you know, yeah. who knows? But I'm 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 excited. I assume this is going to be like six issues. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I imagine they're going to get us up to the modern and then drop Peter where he would be now if the the books have gone sequentially. That makes the most sense. I think this was my least favorite issue of the series so far. Yes, but I'm still still yeah, fun. Yeah. I think I would rank them in the order they've come out. I really liked the 70s issue i still will never in my life understand how the osborne hair gene is supposed to work <laughs> no ignoring that i wrote an article about that and i a long time ago not understanding how the osborne hair is supposed to look in real life yeah but that's who they are money can buy you weird hair right yes so let's talk about naomi number five so this was written by brian michael bendis and david f walker with art by jamal campbell and letters by wes abbott and we're finally getting some some revelations about who this mysterious character is. So last issue, I guess maybe two issues ago, it was revealed that Naomi's adoptive father is Ranian. And I, thought, the, I think it was last issue. I think she found out he was an alien at the end of issue three, but he didn't explain the whole, here's my story until issue four. Okay. And the, the big burly mechanic guy is a Thanagarian. And, you know, they were put on Earth to, to spy on each other, presumably. But then they both kind of were like, eh, we'd rather just live on Earth. So it's it's shades of Invincible there yeah, a little bit. Stranded special forces, the Rainians and Thanagarians, who, if you've been buying those incredibly mediocre Hawkman miniseries, you know they're constantly at war with each other. But it turns out Naomi is not an alien, but she is a human from a different dimension. And she has this little, it, it, I thought it was like a ring box. It's about the size and shape of a ring box. And it looked to me like it had the Black Lantern's symbol on it, but I guess it's not supposed to be that. But anyway. I thought that was a weird choice to make it so similar to all those Green Lantern symbols. Because it, it, I did think about that. Like, is she one of the lanterns? Right. Just because it's so similar, they could have gone in a very different way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It could have gone really dark. <laughs> so what she ends up finding out is she gets a pre-recorded message from her birth mother, and she's from an alternate Earth where a radioactive incident gave a handful of people powers, and some of them were good and some of them were bad, and her parents had to send her to the DC Universe's Earth because that was, it was a place where everybody was like, oh, if you got powers, it's not going to be a big deal. Right. And she reveals all that to her best friend. 
I thought the message from the mother was actually pretty touching and emotional mm-hmm. right there at the very end when kind of the hologram version is like trying to hug her daughter. I, I don't know. That got me in the feels as the kids Hard say. light hologram, I guess. And uh, yeah, apparently by activating her powers, she's kind of alerted the, the baddies to where she is in the world. So the issue ends with the bad guy showing up. So when all those people got their powers, or at least one of them was really like a, a villain. And so now he's, uh, he's showed up and it's, you know, it's very, DC-esque. Alternate worlds and alternate Earths. And I liked it. I, I, I didn't love this issue because it was very explainy. Yeah. But I really like the series. I think the Jamal Campbell art's terrific. This is very much a Bendis story in that we're all sort of waiting to find out what is going on so that we can tell stories with her. Because I think she's, mm-hmm. so far, a fun character. We still don't know a ton about her. We still haven't spent a ton of time with her. But it seems like she is. We don't really know what she can do. I assume at the end of this next issue, we'll, you know, we'll have her established as a character in which we can move forward. But this was, I think, a really big Jamal Campbell issue because there's a lot of two-page spreads in here. Yeah. A lot of sort of big prestige layouts. and This almost feels a little bit, this had, to me, had like Runaways vibes mm-hmm. where it's like, this is a new character, it's a new idea, but it feels like there's enough there that this is going to keep going. Yeah. I'm into it. I like this book me a too. lot. Yeah. Same. The War of the Realms number four. This is a big War of the Realms week. We had like uh, was like five total issues involved with the War of the Realms, I think. I read this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think three was pick of the week. Yes. This felt to me very much like a moving the pieces around issue, which isn't bad. It's just it's necessary in the middle. You have to get people from point A to point B. This is like Thor getting getting back in the game, getting his, you know... His suit back and his weapons, and Odin gets a, gets a new power suit. Like it was all very much like getting everybody ready for the next phase for the, of the big story. battle. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, <laughs> Odin Borson in his <laughs> in his dwarven Tony Starkian yeah. Iron All Father armor. That is some great A comic book nonsense, and I would <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> did Thor swap out arms, or did he get that arm? He got did a he new arm, the, the destroyer arm. Okay. He pulls it off the weapons wall. Now he's got like an arm that's got like spiked knuckles. Well, isn't it the destroyer's arm? Probably. I mean, is I, I think that's the arm that Jason Aaron has him in when he's old King Thor. Is it? I think so. I didn't check, but... I can't remember. Okay. I feel like I would have noticed spikes that big on old King Thor's arm, but it's also been like a long time since I read that book. Yeah. I... <sighs> Much like with the Naomi confusingly sort of having the symbols of a Black Lantern, I don't like that all the different nine, ten realms have a, a symbol. <laughs> it's just like I don't need it. Just you're gonna you're gonna still have to write out Svartalheim every time. I, I'm not gonna remember that symbol ever. <laughs> no, I have a little bit of trouble following. But mostly, it's just the Dark Elves and the uh, Frost Giants. There's a map at the end that I guess are, am I supposed to? I mean, it, it's it's uh we we operate under the principle on iFanboy that we love a map. Sure. This map is just Midgard with each kind of continent carved away for a different realm, and it, it's not doing much for me. I gotta be honest. Well, so we're in New Jotunheim. Yeah. It's gonna get real cold here. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice. It's a different direction than we're currently heading. Despite the fact that it's mostly uh, moving the pieces issue, this was fun, too. We talked a little bit about how Dowderman is a little... I, I think he's a little on the edge with this book in that Sometimes it looks really good, sometimes it doesn't look really good, and it's clearly a lot to do. 
And so you're not getting like your A plus Dowderman because he's got a lot of work to do, which is fine. I totally understand. It's not as impressive as his previous Thor work, I think, but it definitely gets the job done. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, talk about Harry's. This is fortuitous because I got my new Harry shipment this week. I get my Harry's box. As I talked last time, I've chosen the option in which you can get a little surprise product because they've got a whole product line now. So you choose a little $5 add-on option. You get a little surprise. Last time I got some post-shave aloe. This time I got some daily moisturizer with SPF 15, which is important. That's exciting for me. I get a little, it's a little fun little, little surprise every month with Harry's. And got my blades, got my new shaving cream, got my surprise product. It's a good week when that happens. Join the 10 million other people who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. Harry's founders are tired of paying for razors. They were overpriced, overdesigned. They knew how great shave doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads, flex balls, or handles that look like spaceships. Tactics of the leading brand are used to raise prices for decades. They fixed that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. They received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Harry's replacement cartridges are $2 each. That's half the price of Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. All Harry's blades have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, you let them know and you get a full refund, just like that. And here's the offer we're giving you. You can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor and a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. All of our listeners can pick that up. Go to harrys.com slash ifanboy. You can, all, you can all redeem your trial set there. You should check it out. It, once you get on there, you'll get hooked. Trust me. So make sure you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to redeem your offer. Let them know we sent you and help support the show. And really, just take care of yourself. We've talked about this a lot. We're all adults here. So let's just take care of ourselves. Let's pamper ourselves a little bit. You, know, you want a nice shave. Nice shave is important. You know that, Ryan. You, you've got a baby soft skin still. Mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to treat your skin right. I try. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a regimen. Do I need a regimen? It's time you had a regimen. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Batman 71, Tom King, Michael Janin, Jorge Fornes. This is The Fall and the Fallen Part 2. Part 1 was when Bane and Thomas Wayne attacked Wayne Manor, and that was, what, like four years ago that came out? We had the break between issues with all the... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This felt a little abrupt because we had ten issues or so, it felt like, that took place in between these two issues. So here we have the dual storyline in which Bruce is going to confront the intruders in his house. He's getting the intruder alarm. He's very wary about it. He's very sort of beaten down and tired. While we flash back to when Bruce put the call out, he put the red bat signal. He put a bulb in the bat signal and turned it on. That tells all the bat family to assemble, but not all of them do because uh, Jason's a dick. I'm pretty disappointed we didn't get a scene of Batman unscrewing a giant bulb <laughs> and screwing in a different giant bulb for like 10 minutes. Yeah, he's got to bring tools to take the, take the whole cover off. Mm-hmm. Although he's probably got him in his belt. So Jason doesn't show up because Jason's a dick. Kate's out of the country. Stephanie didn't answer the phone. And Dick Grayson is, of course, the abomination known as Rick. Rick. Uh, they all go to Arkham to, to prove that Bane is really running the show and he's not a vegetable. And that blows up in their face while... Batman tries to take out Bane himself in Wayne Manor, and that also doesn't work out so well. And Alfred's like, yeah, you lost. It's over. It's at a dark place at the end here, as in one storyline, Batman punches Tim Drake in what I feel is a very heavy-handed metaphor from DC Comics these days. And also, in the other time period, Alfred is, is comforting Bruce to say, this is it. He's broken you again, which feels harsh. Yeah. 
think the last time I was on and we talked about Batman, he punched Jim Gordon. I'm tired of Batman punching people that I think should be his allies. It's, yeah. Where are you on the story? You know, because it feels like we've been in this, not just because of the delay for the in-between issues, but where are you generally in Batman world? I'm very happy when Jorge Fornas is drawing the book. Yeah, he is strong Mazzucchelli vibes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's basically... He's doing Mazzucchelli, and it's fine with me because he's doing it very well. And I love Mazzucchelli's year one look for Batman. This guy's come on fast. He he showed up a couple issues ago, and now he's in, he's been doing almost every issue, so at least part of. And he's terrific. So as far as I'm concerned, I just like looking at his pages. I like when the Bat family's all together, even if Damien is there, and even if Duke is irrelevant, and even if Cassie, they turn her into the Hulk. Yeah, it's weird because of the weird pacing issues where we had this one issue and then we took a break for like six months and now we're back. It's sort of like I don't really feel the momentum of the story properly. That's too bad because there are some really good bits in here. And there's some great storytelling in here. I don't know. I got to see how this all this all wraps. Because the Bane's been there since the beginning. Yeah, one of the issues I'm having is I don't know how close to the end game we are. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I had a better sense of like, are we 50%? Is this the halfway point? Is this the three quarters point? Where are we? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I would have a better sense of how to feel about the events that are happening if I knew how close they were to the conclusion. You would think we're close only because, generally speaking, the villain showing up at Wayne Manor is like an escalation. And is this really Thomas Wayne? I guess I'm still not quite clear on that. Well, it's Thomas Wayne from the Flashpoint universe. Okay. So it's kind of annoying that we have thomas wayne and jor-el it's almost like the batman and superman offices keep mimicking each other even if they don't realize it with the kids yeah. and then the, the dads are back and it's dumb it's a good thing they're not both named martha it's just dumb let's talk about aquaman 48 kelsu deconic victor bogdanovic sunny go on colors this is the first issue of a new arc, which I didn't realize, I guess. I thought it was still the last arc, because it's basically the same story. Aquaman has amnesia, because I guess he was quote-unquote killed. I don't remember that happening. I think it might have happened off-camera, and this is the fallout. I really disliked the last arc intensely. I was getting close to dropping the book. Was that the same creative team on the yes. last arc? Well, Kelly Sue DeConnick was the writer. Victor Bogdanovich was not the artist on the last arc. Okay. He's real good, and here he's inked by uh, Jonathan Glapion who did um, Batman with Capullo. Yeah, it has a Capullo feel. So it has a very strong Capullo vibe. I actually really like this issue because I honestly think they're happening because there's a lot of talking here. But the last arc was basically him wandering around this little island, not knowing who he was, dealing with all these mystical gods that I don't really care about or know about, and I didn't like any of it. Um, here, despite the fact that they've given him Jason Momoa tattoos, which I rolled my eyes at real hard, I actually really like this. It's sort of a resetting of Aquaman's origin, kind of. It just it gives yeah, you all the backstory you need. Feels like Aquaman is getting a little Hawkmanny. Yeah. In sort of how they have to weave together the mystical and the Arthurian lore and the yeah. I don't I don't love that. I, I recognize that you got to kind of set a set a frame for what it is so people have context. Big fan of Mother Shark. <laughs> just a giant telepathic shark. Love it. Much bigger than Megalodon. Mm-hmm. This is almost like Aquaman number one, in a way. Like, this is a, this is very much a jumping-on point. If if you haven't read Aquaman in a while, you're curious at all, I would recommend checking this issue out. It, this, this was really good. Um, and it gives you sort of a starting point with the character where he is now. The art's real strong. I don't know if Victor Bogdanovic is 
going to be the new artist or not, but he's he's really great. We've we've been fans of his ever since he did the new Superman book, and I'm I'm always excited to see him show up somewhere. And he works really well with this character. And uh, there's a giant telepathic shark, as Ryan said. So that's cool. I like this. I thought this was good. I enjoyed it. I probably won't stick with the series. I, I only read this because I saw that it was part one of an arc. So I thought, okay, I'll cram this one sure. real quick and see where we're at with Aquatic Man. And uh, I'm probably not going to stick around. <laughs> that's fine. He's an Aquatic Man. The tattoos are stupid, but I get it. Like at this point, just give him the black hair. <laughs> if you're really gonna do that, then just just pretend. Let's throw all pretense out the window. Really, just talk about who's in charge. It's not comic people. American Carnage number seven. We might have talked about every issue of this book. Brian Edward Hill, Leandro Fernandez, Dean White. This I thought was very similar to the War of the Realms, <laughs> in that this was a moving the pieces around issue. I mean, I guess in a sense they're well, these are warring realms being mm-hmm. represented in in this book. Yep. Yeah, I, you know, American Carnage has become, for me, one of the books that I read very quickly right when it comes out on a week. Mm-hmm. And so part of the reason it made it on the rundown today was because when asked if I was able to do the show, this was because I'm such a big fan of this series. It was one of the books that I'd already read. Mm-hmm. And it, it continues to be excellent. Two things I liked about this issue. One, a very important, intense discussion happens while people are eating ice cream pops. Yeah, <laughs> which was a funny sort of juxtaposition because at one point there's like a focus on them. It's just it's, mm-hmm. just, it's a non sequitur situation. It feels like something they would do in the wire. <laughs> yeah, but also I was really impressed with Leander Fernandez in this issue. He does a lot of work with sort of intense sunlight, and so when the, when the sun is hitting op- people or objects, the art gets almost impressionistic. Very use of the negative space to show objects as opposed to drawing them out. So there's a scene where the main character is talking to a member of the Aryan Brotherhood who they're trying to turn, and he's standing in front of a bunch of shutters, and the shutters sort of half disappear in the sunlight, and then, and then his face does because he's in the heavy sun. Like, I'm just very impressed with the use of negative space and shadow in this book. Leandro Fernandez has always been really good with shadow work, but the, the, I thought this issue was particularly good looking. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's a dark book. It's always been a dark book, but at the end of the issue when the main guy has to team up with the the guy in the creepy old racist Obama mask to to bring down the Darian Brotherhood. It's it, it's getting fucked up. It's getting real gray here, and I, and I mm-hmm. like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an easy comparison to compare this book to Scalp. We probably already have, but yes. it's doing that Scalp thing where the protagonist that you that we as readers were always kind of trained to just like the protagonist is the hero, but maybe not so much. And like maybe the person that is framed in the first couple of issues as the bad guy, like. Maybe isn't just the pure bad guy. And yeah, like you said, Shades of Grey, but done very well. It's clear the protagonist is the hero, but he's going to have to do non-heroic things. And the same thing yeah. with Bad, Bad Horse in Scalped. I mean, he was clearly the, he clearly was the hero, but in the course of doing his job, he had to do some bad things to get his job done. And that's the best kind of undercover story. Let's head over to Star Wars Corner. So last week was the patron pick. Thankfully, it was not this week. Talk about Lando. Yeah, this week we have a Star Wars Age of Rebellion, Lando Calrissian. And it's Lando Calrissian in Cloud City Blues. Story by Greg Pak, uh, art by Matteo Bufagni. 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 Color by Tamara Bonvillain. Wow, her last name is really Bonvillain? That's That's Bonvillain, but... Well, (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to pretend that they're a Bond villain. It's cool. And lettering by Travis Lantham. This is just a kind of a one-shot 
Lando running the Cloud City of Bespin story. Like he's been the administrator for a little while. He kind of likes the new the new vibe. He's enjoying having some authority. He's enjoying just running a profitable station without having to run a scam. And and then some stuff goes wrong, and he and Lobot have to go on a caper. And capers get caped, and then things don't really work out for Lando. But he sort of has to decide like, okay, the caper didn't work out. Do I? use the last of my kind of savings to keep cloud city running or do I go back on the run? And, um, it's good. If you wanted just a good fun little Lando Lobot adventure. You read Boba Fett last week. I did not. I assume it's the similar vein as that. I think all of these age of rebellion books have just been one shots about a, a various character, but, um, yeah. I've been reading them sporadically. I've been reading them based on whether or not I care about the character. And I, I probably have the Boba Fett one, but I just, I've been behind on my books a little sure. bit, and so I haven't gotten to that one yet. So, and that's and that's what we talked last week. That's the fun way to do it: is tell a quick one-shot story off to the side. And, you know, everyone likes Cloud City. Yeah, and the art was good, very good. Billy D. Williams, young Billy D. Williams era, Lando with the cape, and uh, you know, do you not want Lobot? Of course, you want Lobot. Lobot's great. Lobot's great. Is he named that because he had a lobotomy? I kind of just put that together. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Don't ruin Lobot for me, Ryan. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Lobot's great. That's all I've got. Let's do the patron <laughs> pick. That's the books we're going to talk about, but if we go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week, the clear and strong winner was Giant Man number one, a War of the Realms tie-in. I can't figure out what books are called War of the Realms and which books are just tie-ins, because like this book wasn't called the war of the realms colon giant man right but other books were this week it's just it's very confusing what they're doing this is the i guess a miniseries that's tied into the war of the realms featuring four giant men characters ant-man scott lang giant man raz mahalatra goliath tom foster and atlas eric justin all teaming up to help um, freya as she sends them on a mission to get revenge for loki's murder and this is written by Leah Williams with art by Marco Castiello, colored by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by Joe Sabino. This is all right. It's a really, really fun idea that, like, America has been invaded by frost giants. So in order to do an undercover mission, we need the people that can grow to frost giant size. Right. I love that. That's That, as a concept, is great. Um, yeah. Execution-wise, it was okay. Yeah, it was very, I thought, very average. Some of it was eye-rolling. Some of it was fun. <sighs> yeah, partially, it's, I don't really know these characters all that well, so, you know, and they don't really give you any backstory, which you don't necessarily need, and I don't think I necessarily needed to know any more about them to follow this particular story, but I don't really know them all that well, so I didn't really have much connection to the characters. A couple of things happened, I didn't really quite understand why, for instance, so while they're, you know, they've, they've gone to the frost giant world and they are not really doing a good job of being undercover. And so the frost giants sick the, their giant dogs on them. The dogs end up catching them and biting them and attacking them. And all of a sudden they decided to shrink down and just have one of them be giant. And I don't, I, I didn't understand how he was able to get away from the dogs since they were all been attacked by the dogs already. It's like one page they were surrounded by the dogs being attacked. The next page, they're all small and running on the shoulder of, you know, the one guy who's running from the dogs. Like I, I didn't get how they'd gotten away. I also, I liked that one of the characters pointed out, hey, do Frost Giants even speak English? And that's a good point, which they do not actually deal with. The Frost Giants just speak English. I guess they do. 
Well, I guess, you know, in all the comics, they have to speak English, otherwise the stories wouldn't work, because even in the, in the War of the Realms, they talk to the bad guys, so they just all kind of speak the common tongue. Yep. Which we've decided is English, because we all are making these comics. I blame Gary Gygax. You know, there was some really eye-rolling jokes in here. Pee-pee my pimp pants was terrible. You know, Scott Lang is Paul Rudd now, so that's how he's written. It was just fine. I, I enjoyed it for the sort of larger context of the story. I thought the art was okay, but... I didn't feel overly compelled to read more. I probably will because I'm legitimately curious. Like, if there's, I think there's more to do with this concept. They're still in, you know, New Jotunheim, and they're they're still able to be giant people. So, I kind of want to see where that goes. Oh yeah, I mean they haven't they haven't abandoned the mission. They're just uh, trapped by the dog. Yeah, they're in Florida, which is now basically a ice wasteland. Yeah, I think this is a definition of fine. Yep. So let's rate it ratings. Out of five, what are you going to do? Three? Maybe two and a half? Two and a half feels too harsh for a book where there's nothing technically wrong with it. I'm going to go three. I'm going to go 2.75. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. It's going to depend on the week. It's going to depend on when it comes out. I'm not reading all of the War of the Realms tie-ins. So I wasn't going to read this one without being the pick. So we'll see what happens. I'm leaning more in the direction of sticking with it than not. Okay. There you go, Giant Man number one, patron pick. And that's where people go who want to support the show, patreon.com slash ifanboy, where you can go and you can vote patron picks and you can enjoy our hangouts and you can you can uh, get involved with all kinds of stuff there. We have stretch goals. So our next stretch goal up over Patreon is to add a non-comics media podcast every month, which will talk about things that aren't comics related. And how much advance notice do I get for that one? <laughs> well, you'll have a lot of advance notice because we're still looking for that stretch goal. Also, in addition to that... All of our full-length video shows and minis that are no longer on the internet will get added to our YouTube channel if we hit the next stretch goal. So if you want to... And actually, we've, we've, we've actually been ticking up higher than we may be, ever have before. So if you want to see those stretch goals happen, patreon.com slash ifanboy is the place to do it. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can find our t-shirts, our t-shirt designs, ifanboy logo, Herm, Pick of the Week podcast ratings, if one is like show GDAT, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Those are all there, as we talked about before. We have a concept for our next shirt. It's just a matter of nailing it down. We want to get it done before Comic-Con. Uh, that's our internal goal. So hopefully it'll happen in the next month or so. Check that out. Fanboy.thirdless.com. Fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can direct donate via PayPal if you want to do that and don't want to buy a t-shirt or become a patron, which is totally fine. Fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy the books we talk about in the Booksplode shows as well as general Amazon link. We thank everyone who does that. We do appreciate it. And so if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and give it the $5 or higher level, you can get your own superpower right here on the show. It happens live. Sometimes we are not prepared. Sometimes we are. It really is a flip of the coin. This week, Ryan, you'll kick us off. I am giving a power to Adrian Lilly, and their power is, you know how like every once in a while somebody will post something to Twitter and, well, you don't know. You're not on Twitter anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe this happens on Instagram. I've reached a point where I can I can't tell if something is a optical illusion or a GIF. Okay. And, and so they can turn off optical illusions on and off at will. So if they see something that's supposed to be an optical illusion, they can like hit pause on it mentally and examine it. And then like if they want to turn it back on because it's kind of fun, they can turn it turn it back on. Give us an example of what you mean here. Like with the if they were shown one of those magic eye posters. Okay. They don't have to like squint or cross their eyes or do anything weird. They can just think, turn it on, and then they'll immediately see it. And then they can think, turn it off, and it'll go away. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Interesting. But it works for any optical illusion. So anytime there's an optical illusion like that, there's that optical illusion where there's the grid and you like you see spots in the intersections of the grid. Mm-hmm. They they don't have to see those spots if they don't want to. If it, if it annoys them, no more spots, no more optical illusions. They are immune to optical illusions, but they can they can still see them if they want, just for funsies. Brad Weddle. Brad Weddle can instantly do all of his prep work. So what I mean is let's say he's cooking dinner and there's a lot of chopping and dicing and mincing that has to be done. He just blinks his eyes and it's all done. It's all in the bowls, ready to go. Everything is ready. Or if he is like painting, he blinks his eyes and like, you know, all the painter's tapes laid out, everything, all the, you know, the, the drop cloths are done. Everything is ready. The actual work isn't done, but the prep work is done. He can instantly do all the prep work. If he was a surgeon, his hands would be clean. French have a term for that. Okay. Mise-en-place. What? Mise-en-place. Mise-en-place is your prep work is magically done? Well, it's not your prep work is magically done, but it's the idea of having, before you start cooking, having all your prep work done. I think it literally means like everything means like things in their place. Like it's having Mm. everything right where it needs to be for when you start your actual, when, when. Well, obviously if you're serious, all your prep work should be done before you start. I'm just saying he doesn't need to actually do it. It's just done. I know, but I'm saying if he needs a superhero name, he could be, he could be Doctor Misenplas or something. Doctor Misenplas, if he wants. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> and it only applies to cooking, or no? All all this prep work. No matter if, if there's something that requires prep, it's already done. It's like he's he, his stretching before working out. It's it's just done. And anything he needs to do to prep before he actually does a thing is done already. If he needs to do something that involves like hardware, because d- d- I feel like as a I'm now a homeowner, mm-hmm. you never go to the hardware store once, right, right. <laughs> for mm-hmm. a project. Well, like I said, <laughs> if he was if he's painting, all you know the drop cloths are down, the okay. painter's tape is up. That is that is powerful. You know, all, all the actual prep that you're not that you have to do before you can do something how, is done. How scalable is this? Like, if the military gets a hold of Brad <laughs> and they want to go to war, well, a lot of our powers, you know, you want to keep out of the hands of the military. So, is the prep work for war done? <laughs> yeah, all the reports. If NASA wants to go to the moon, do they just put him on the launch pad and say, "Oh, think about real hard about going to the moon"? <laughs> That's right. We'd like, we'd like the rocket ready, please. He could he could uh, make a lot of money on this. Okay. Chris Johnston has a spider sense that is attuned to deadlines. So, Chris, mm. when there's a project that needs to get done, mm-hmm. they can tell exactly when they need to start to know that they'll hit the deadline. Interesting. Interesting. Because, you know, like you have those bigger projects where you're like, I feel like I should have started on this last week. I was busy with other things. I probably I might miss this deadline. That never happens to Chris. Chris knows. he. It might mean that they still can't get started on it, but they they never have any uncertainty about how much time it's going to take to get a thing done. I see. That makes sense. So that's helpful. Yeah, that's 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 coming from life right now. <laughs> Elena Edmonds. So you know how Namor has the little wings on his feet and those somehow make him fly? Well, Elena, her fingers, if she wiggles them hard enough, they will propel her off the ground. How hard? Well, hard. I mean, she's got it's got to lift her up. It's very difficult for her. It ends up being more of like a floating situation, like maybe to the second floor of a building. Because otherwise, she's going to move those fingers real hard. I'm doing it now, but you can't see. Continuously? Yeah, or... continuously. Like bird, bird wings. 
That's just why, the fingers. Yeah, just the fingers lift her up. That's why she can't really fly for miles because otherwise her fingers will just get too tired and she'll start to slow down and she'll, she'll fall. What happens if she just flaps her whole hand? Nope, it's just the fingers. How fast can she... You said second story? Well, that's sort of without her fingers Vertical. getting tired. Theoretically, if she, her fingers never got tired, she could, she could go, but, you know. Wearing roller skates on a, on a level surface, can she use it as propulsion? If she put her ha- hands behind her? Yeah. Here's the problem. It only shoots her up vertically. Okay. Okay. So she'd go up with the roller skates. Would launching off a trampoline? You know, help? she could go up the side of a building like Batman and Robin in the 60s. Mm, there you go. With the roller but skates. If, if she goes off of a trampoline. You mean like bounce, bounce, bounce on the fingers? Yeah. That would help because she's getting, okay. you know, artificial cool. help there. I just want to have some. Oh, that's a, good, that's a good question. These are all good questions, Ryan. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. $5 or higher level. Get your little superpower. Thanks to Adrian, Brad, Chris, and Elena. Uh, we do appreciate it very much. Let's do one audience question. Will R writes and says, I've been thinking about this for almost 10 years. I'm a physical therapist, and I'm looking for issues that have examples of injuries or actually getting therapy. I vaguely remember an issue where Barbara Gordon was getting aquatic therapy after getting paralyzed, but can't remember when or what issue. Um, there's definitely been stories of physical therapy, or at least glimpses of it. You're not going to get issues of physical therapy. Barbara Gordon would be probably the most, one of the most prominent characters in that regard, because after she was shot, there was a lot of, not a lot of, but there was instances of you seeing her getting treatment and thing. you know. In the same way, you don't really see superheroes go to, like, the hospital after an adventure. They're not really, you're not really going to see them getting therapy. There was a book... I haven't I haven't Not thought about it in a while. Called Powerless, mm-hmm. which featured Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Daredevil in a world where Matt Murdock is just a blinded lawyer because radiation doesn't give you superpowers, and Peter Parker is just a kid with a messed up arm because he was bitten by a really bad radioactive spider, and Wolverine is just a guy with amnesia. Right. I feel like they're in therapy at least for some of that book. Uh huh. But it might be it might be mental therapy, but it could also be physical therapy because Peter has the messed up arm. It's just tough because you know. And you just want to. Batman gets stitched up and goes back out there. In real life, <laughs> none of this would happen. But he would, you know, he would have to go to some sort of physical therapy. I say this as someone who's been to a lot of physical therapy, because I am still very active and I get hurt a lot because I'm not as young as I used to be. So I love physical therapy. I think it's great. I think people who get hurt should do it. Uh, but it's not so much dramatic. So you're not going to get a lot of it in the comics. I mean, Matt and Matt Murdock did a little bit of it in Man Without Fear miniseries that just came out in between right. the end of Charles Soule's Daredevil run and Chip taking over. Oh, I didn't read that one. Yeah, so he's doing physical therapy because he got hit by a truck. There's a lot of training in superhero movies. Right. I mean, I guess we see we see Rhodey Combat getting a little training. bit of therapy in the movies. Right, that's what I was going to say War. is that you'll get like a glimpse of it, like a nod to the to the need for it. You know, right. like, oh, he he's he's hurt. So he needs physical therapy. You're not going to follow it. You're just going to say, oh, you're just going to know that it's happening. I thought for a minute during Endgame, now that the spoiler ban is lifted, that Bruce was going to refer to Leonard Sampson for getting Hmm. therapy to help him coexist as Banner and Hulk. I think we're forgetting that movie happened. Are we? I think so. Oh. Not that movie. I mean the Hulk movie where Sampson showed up. Oh, I forgot. I didn't know Sampson was in that movie. I thought I thought I was thinking... Of a new MCU version of Doc Sampson, who is Hulk's oh, therapist. Okay. But, I mean, you know, that that is 
a character who he's not a physical therapist he's a mental therapist right but i think that might be a character to point to for just good mental health stuff well there's there's random glimpses of it but you're probably not going to get i mean there there could be a story out there and people let us know if they if they know but you're most likely going to get nods to the idea that these things happen but not focus on it because it's not that dramatic it's great. I love going to physical therapy when I have an injury because I feel better after, but I wouldn't want to necessarily watch a, a comic issue about it. Unless something really interesting happened, which could happen, but I've never never seen it. Yeah, it's also like, it's, you know, Connor, as you've been kind of hinting at, it's like a healthy and stable thing to do, and mm. superhero stories tend to exist in the extremes of like, everything's fine or everything's totally not fine. Right. And sort of that basic self-care basic maintenance of being a human and getting older either isn't relevant to the superheroes because they their bodies don't work that way or it's just not it's too in the middle and it's too sensible Mm -hmm. i think yeah i think that's it it it, it doesn't it's there's a sensibility doctrine that cannot be involved in superhero antics let's do professor martin h's email i believe you know professor martin h ryan every time i see an adaptation martin Martine, every time I see an adaptation of Raven on a DC or Warner Brothers property, I want to find a similar comic book arc. So far, I've failed to find anything that mines the same vein of the story. Am I chasing an idea that isn't in the comics? Is there a story arc that riffs on the, on the cynical and wildly overpowered Raven? I like how the demonic root of her powers impose an implicit cost to her actions. It poses an interesting variation on the Superman problem that I have not found in comic book form. Hellboy is in that vein, but in BPRD... With a few collections I've read, he doesn't understand his power to the same extent that Raven does. So, you you might have actually more more modern experience with Raven than I do. Maybe, but I, I actually will just go ahead and agree with Martin's premise: is that I generally do enjoy adaptations, you know, especially the animated ones of Raven more than I tend to enjoy the comics. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything recent. I mean, she was a big part of the Wolfman and Perez new teen titans in the 80s and her stories were front and center a lot you know tr- her father uh trigon yep uh was a big villain in that book so he was around a lot and her being pulled between the titans and her father was a major theme and and so i think a lot of what they base the adaptations on is are, are the raven stories from that era i can't think of anything from the modern era and that, that's not to say it doesn't happen because i'm not exhaustive on raven but i just can't think of anything that i've read like that where she has been front and center she was really front and center in those books so i would suggest if you haven't looked at those that might be where you're looking the cartoons keep doing riffs on those stories you know the mm-hmm. the um the series i didn't watch the, not the Teen Titans Go, but the one that was before, before that. Before that one? Yeah, that's that's the one I'm the most familiar with, and that one is great. But that's the one I think, I feel like, did the, did a lot of variations on those comic stories. They, they did they did uh, the Judas Contract, right? And they did yep. stuff like that. So that, that, I think, the source material for those stories was those old books. And then the Titans TV show is not do, directly doing any kind of adaptation, but similar vein to those Wolfman Perez kind of stories. And obviously in the first season, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, Martine, but Raven and her father, the demon trying to come through is a major plot thrust of that first season. So I figure that's probably calling back to those Wolfman and Perez books. That's probably where you're going to want to look. 
Also, um, Patton Oswalt's daughter wanted to be Raven for Halloween a couple of years ago, and so he dressed up as Trigon. So go check that out, because that's just, that's just a fun time. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's who you can write in, like Professor Martine and Will did to get in the show. Thanks for everyone who does that. And who said last week, if you want to send a voice clip, we can do that too. Let's plug some upcoming shows. Booksplode for this month is Daredevil Born Again, which will be, I think, coming out... Well, I know. It'll be coming out the very end of the month, because I know when Josh and I are recording, it's very close to the very end of the month. So... You can look for that the last week of the month, Daredevil Born Again Booksplode, if you want to read along. The classic Frank Miller, David Mazzucchelli, we just talked about him earlier, uh, Daredevil story. And related to that is this month's patron hangout, if you're a patron, patreon.com slash fanboy. We hang out once a month for an hour, talk about nonsense. Last month we talked about Game of Thrones for 15 minutes, and we did 45 minutes on Avengers Endgame, because I missed that show. So that's on the last patron hangout. Who knows what we're going to talk about this month. It'll be May 26th. Just Sunday, the usual time, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to join before that, you want to hang out with us, do that before May 26th. Nice. And uh, I do a podcast called iFanboy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I do when they ask me to. <laughs> Ugh. It's it's early, man, even for you. Uh, I do a podcast called Science Sort of. Our most recent episode is episode 308, and um, it's actually a very good one. For listeners of Handboy, because I talk to two guys who do science comics. So one of them does a web comic and the other does like fully illustrated these beautiful graphic novels about like neurology and really kind of advanced heady stuff that, that oh, wow. he converts into comic form. Yeah, so it's a good good comic themed episode. That's episode three hundred eight. Uh, website is sciencesortof.com. And uh, we also do we start. We, I, I admit in this episode how much I've stolen from iFanboy over the years in terms of podcast concepts and uh we we are doing patron hangouts for my show now as well, well. that's not an ifanboy concept that's just a normal patron thing to do so that's good that you do that yeah and so for our first hangout which happened earlier this month uh one of my co-hosts abe i forced him to sit down and start designing a D character and oh, cool. uh next next month's hangout if he makes progress we will re- do the final reveal of his um dragonborn rogue just as a side have you seen friend of the show jeff canada's new dungeons and dragons show I've not. It's on streaming service called Caffeine, caffeine.tv. Okay. So I thought I'd mention if you're a D&D person. I've, I've been really enjoying it. I'm not even a D&D person, but uh, it's on every... Uh, the dungeon run? Yeah, every Wednesday? I think it's every Wednesday night. It's live. But then they put the, the episodes on YouTube. Anyway, if you're a Dungeon Dragons person, I would recommend it. Just really cool. entertaining. Check it out. He's, he's the game master. I've been listening to the Adventure Zone. That's been my main D&D thing lately, which is the McElroy's, the the other yes. West Virginia-based podcasting <laughs> people. <laughs> I'll never catch them. It's so sad. Head over to fanboy.com. You can find all of our old podcasts, and you can also find old articles. They're all still there. Ryan's old articles. All the stuff we were writing about, it's all still there. Fanboy.com. Hours of content. You can also find what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash fanboy or following us at fanboy on Twitter. Or following us at Comics on Instagram, where you can find what the pick is. You can also see the Best of the Week in Panels feature that used to be on the website that now happens there. Also, C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram for me, Ryan Haupt on Instagram for Ryan, and at Haupt on Twitter to find, follow Ryan's adventures. If you like the show, you uh, would do very well by us by writing a review or leaving a star rating on iTunes. It doesn't take much time. Uh, the podcasting ecosystem has diversified a lot recently, but iTunes is still a big way that people get shows still the main and way. discover shows. So even if you are not a person who listens to the show through an iTunes-delivered service, it still benefits the show if you are willing to, to go and uh, give us a review or a star rating over there. But 
really the best way to get people to listen to new podcasts is to just tell them about it directly. So if you have a friend, if a friend is sitting next to you right now, take their phone from them, <laughs> uh, un- use their face to unlock it, mm-hmm. subscribe to iFanboy and Science Sort of, and then hand them their phone. Yeah, I mean, we used to tell you to go into the Apple Store and subscribe to all, all the computers, but that's unnecessary. Also, if you have listened to all the shows, just delete them and then go just download them again. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't. Tell your friends, though. We do appreciate that. Put them on a flash drive and give them to your, your mom. Moms yeah. love podcasts. That's true. Always let your mom know. Call your mom. Last week was Mother's Day. Hope you called her. When you do call her, talk about iFanboy. Send her flowers and send her a DVD with all the MP3s of iFanboy on it. So, Ryan, I do appreciate you coming at the last second. I know this was difficult. I know it's early. I know I've got really bad allergies and have trouble speaking and breathing. And I know that for some portion of the show, there was a guy with a leaf blower outside, which was fun. But I do appreciate you coming on. And thank you for doing so. Yeah, I was happy to do it. I'm Connor. I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan.